Hi, I'm Lana Flatteron, and today I'm interviewing Linda Principato, owner of Whole Health and Wellness, because she inspires me. She was my health coach. She is a holistic health counselor, integrative nutrition nutrition coach, reflexologist, Reiki master, and yoga teacher. So, Linda, welcome. Thank you, Lana. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be doing this today with you. Um, to start out, please tell me your background, where you were born and raised, what was your upbringing like, if your parents are married, siblings, schooling, public and or private, college, your highest academic degree, and how old are you? All right. Well... That's a lot right there. Oh, my gosh. So I'm 54 years old. Um, My journey started the year I was 33. But prior to that, so my upbringing um, was pretty normal. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, um, moved to Staten Island about 30 years ago. Um, My childhood was so much fun. Um, It could have been a dysfunctional family. My father was absent. But my mother was certainly there, and my grandparents were hugely influential on um, my upbringing. Um, It was, uh, so my grandparents owned a deli, they owned a grocery store, and our whole life revolved around the store. So I was very attuned to um, being being, uh, seen in the community. my grandparents fed people, you know, that's what it was about. It was about serving food, being of service. Um, they were the sweetest people ever. Um, I feel so blessed to have had them in my life. And it had a huge influence on on how I grew up and who I became. So um, I feel super blessed. And um, what else? So again, I'm I'm 54. Siblings, uh, schooling. No siblings, only child. My mom was also an only child, so um, we both got a lot of attention. I went through high school. Um, I was not really. Um, I was smart. I was good in school, but I was never really into it. Like sort of couldn't wait to get done. Um, don't know what I was rushing for, but I did high school in three years. And my fourth year of high school, I. I mean, my fourth year where my other friends were doing their senior year of high school, I basically just wasted a year. And um, I had a good excuse. I had a knee injury. And so for for that whole um, year that I would have been in my last year of high school, I had a full leg cast on my right leg. And um, I got to I got to like use that. (laughs) So while my friends were finishing school, I was already done and basically like took a year off. Um, got a job in a doctor's office, didn't really like it very much. Um, personality things, stuff going on. I then got into dental assisting because I figured, well, it's medical, but it's not a serious uh, doctor's office. I got my first job and was, um, very focused on cancer and, um, going through that. It was the early eighties. So it was different than how doctors operate now. Um, But I realized within the first couple of years of working for doctors and dentists that I didn't, no offense to doctors out there, but I didn't like doctors. Um, Developed a huge phobia around going um, because I saw what was happening on the back end. Um, So quit the whole thing, got a job at a local college admissions office. I was 19 years old working in the admissions office of a college. So again, around a lot of people my age, um, a lot of fun. Um, It was a great job. And um, I was there for four years. And then I wanted wanted a little more money. I wanted to feel a little more mature. Um, Got my first job in Manhattan. It was sales and advertising, and I spent 17 years there in corporate sales and advertising. Um, And it was during that time that um, I started to change and develop some interests. Um, Pivotal was, was I had been there, you know, so I started the job. I was 23. When I was 33, the year before I turned 33, something started to shift in me. Um, I felt like I was approaching that, you know, live or die moment. 
um, the, the year 33 was very meaningful for me because that was how old my father was when he died. So there was always this looming sense of 33 is coming, 30, and then there it was. And I thought, what am I going to do? And what ended up happening for me was I saw an ad um, in the newspaper and it was a one page ad and it was the word impossible. And like a shadow over the word impossible, a little apostrophe turned impossible to I'm possible. And for the first time in my life, I was floored. I was like, oh, my gosh, something in me stirred. It was like when the, when the hairs stand up. I, I knew this was something powerful. And when I went back to work, the, there was a little website at the bottom, Boston, New York, Age Ride. I went to work on Monday, typed it in and signed up. And that was the beginning of the journey for me. It was a bike ride. Third, uh, three day, 275 mile bike ride. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a little bit about my background, how I got into this. Yeah. So that kind of segued me into my second question, which was when, where, how, and why did you start on this path? So you just kind of, maybe the bike ride was the start, but yeah, uh, why? So I was, um, I was, I was feeling miserable. Um, I had the corporate job and prior to turning 33, probably around my late twenties, I decided I was going to quit smoking, went for acupuncture. It worked and I quit smoking, but in the process I gained weight. So, and I would tell myself, well, at least I'm not smoking. I could always lose weight. But here it was five years later, and I was overweight, I was lethargic, I was miserable, I didn't have, there was nothing really in my life that was um, fulfilling for me. It was sort of like, um, I felt like I was living life on the sidelines. And, um, and again, that 33 was coming up. So it was like, what am I going to do with this precious life? I can roll over and die because this is not fulfilling. And the AIDS ride showed up right on time. And here I was overweight, lethargic and miserable. And how the hell am I going to ride 275 miles? I was in no condition to ride two miles. I didn't even have a bicycle. <laughs> um, but I got a used bike for my 33rd birthday. My, my mom knew what I was up to, got the used bike. And um, so this was winter time. It was February. And in April, I started riding the bike. So the ride was actually to take place in September of that year. And so I had from April to September to figure out how to ride a bike. Um, and you remember, I rode as a kid, so I knew how to ride, but it was a little bit scary and it took some practice. And um, so I took the training very seriously and I actually had a chart. Today I'm riding one mile, next week I'm riding two miles and, and on and on it went and I followed the progress. But I started to notice, that was when I started to notice the connection between food and how your body shows up. And, I, and it was quite accidental. It, it literally was an accident. I was getting ready for a bike ride. I was meeting a group. We were training together. We had an, a, a trainer, had a big cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. I was on the ferry going to Manhattan for this ride. I had not even taken a sip and I dropped the cup. And I thought my life was over and I had no time to get more coffee and I had to go on this training ride and I didn't die. I survived. And at the, at the end, like many hours later, I thought, wow, I did it without the coffee. And of course, then I ran and got coffee, but that was my first indication of what am I feeding myself and what are my beliefs about what I'm eating and how is that affecting how I'm showing up? So I started to play around with supplements, uh, protein powders, energy bars. So it was still a lot of packaged processed foods, but I was more mindful of the nutritional content. And of course, power, you know, power bars and protein shakes, supplements started to feel better. Um, and then one day I was on my bicycle and I had an awakening because not only was I incorporating healthier supplemental foods, 
but the physical activity and the consistency of the physical activity started the endorphins, right? My brain chemistry started changing. I didn't know this was going to happen. And suddenly I started to feel like all lit up. And one day on my bike, I was riding in rush hour traffic. I was just pedaling along, doing my miles. I had an awakening. Like I literally felt the crown of my head crack open and I felt all the light from divine energy from the sky start funneling through my body. And I thought, oh my gosh, what just happened? Um, it wasn't until years later that I got into yoga and breathing and chanting that I was it, realized it was sort of like a kundalini awakening. Something deep and powerful shifted and the cracking of the head was the crown chakra. Now, now along my journey, I didn't have the root chakra grounded. So it, it was a bit tumultuous. Um, but anyway, it felt really good. And I was like, all right, I'm on to something. So I got really, really attuned to how I was feeding myself, the, the choices I was making in my life, and how that was um, fueling the goal. The goal was to ride 275 miles in three days on a certain date. So um, I was like, yeah, let's do this. Um, when September came, showed up for the ride, pedaled every mile. I was the last person done. It was fine because it wasn't a race. And then the ride was over. And I was like, now what? Now what? And whenever we ask the question, you know, universe, show me a sign, the universe delivers. Um, and I saw the sign, right? And I followed the impulse, so it all it all really started from that that accidental drop the coffee and here I I'm on a bike ride and it was it was quite quite accidental and very very deeply profound how things started to unravel for me. Um yeah, so so the next thing that showed up I was at, I was still at my corporate job. And what was happening at my corporate job? So I will tell you, everybody loved me. Everybody was fine with me when I was overweight, miserable, lethargic, unhealthy, smoking, drinking. Everyone was fine with that. When they started seeing me change, and, and the change really became apparent during the months I was training for the bike ride, because that's when I started not eating lunch with them and bringing in the green juice and, you know, started doing that weird stuff. Um, they stopped liking me. And it was gradual over time. I started to feel very alienated from this group of people I had spent every day of the past 10 years with. Um, they weren't happy about my changes. They weren't happy that I slimmed down and got healthy. They weren't glad that I was all excited about my life. And um, that was sad. And it was isolating. And Again, it was another wake-up call. And I noticed, too, it wasn't just the people at work. It was the people in my personal life who were um, felt judged. Um, so they got defensive, like people felt the need to defend themselves because they weren't doing what I was doing. And it was all a little confusing and curious. But um, people started dropping away. And I started to feel lonely, like... I'm, I'm on this journey by myself. And the journey was so powerful that it didn't matter. You know, I was going, I was, I was gone. I was on my way. And um, I still had the corporate job. And the sign that showed up for me was I was crossing, I was crossing the street. It was lunch. I was going back to the office and I was standing there on Park Avenue and 33rd Street waiting for the light to change. And my and something on the pole caught my eye and it was a tiny little sticker. It was the size of a quarter. And it said goveg.org. And I thought, okay. I had no idea what that meant. I went back to the office, typed in goveg.org, and it brought me to the PETA website, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. And again, I was floored. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I been contributing to? 
what have I been participating in? This is horrible. And I sat there crying. I watched a video called Meet Your Meat. I was horrified, didn't know what to do, decided I'm never doing this again. And I went home and announced to my husband, guess what? We're not eating animals anymore. And he was like, what? Like, he didn't see the video. He didn't sign up for this. He hadn't been going through the transformation that I was. And it wasn't his journey. So now it created a rift in my home. You know, it started getting real, real personal. But that GoVeg.com that took me to the PETA site, any website that you go to, you'll see the ads along the columns. And an ad caught my interest and I clicked on the ad and I found out that it was a group of people in lower Manhattan. And I was right there in Midtown. And I thought, okay, I'm going to show up. It was a raw food prep class and I wasn't a raw foodist. I just didn't know what to do with this stuff. And I figured this will help. I figured we're going to peel and chop and dice and slice and spice and learn what to do with food. Um, Again, it was one of those decisions that the yes was there before my mind could make any sense out of it. I showed up my very first raw food prep class. The two women who were, well, one woman was leading the class. The other woman was assisting. These two women became so powerful on my journey I didn't know that was going to happen just by clicking an ad. So I really learned the power of following the impulse. These two women, one of them was, um, she had graduated from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Way back then, this school was not well known. Um, It was so small, in fact, that she had 75 people in her graduating class. If you know anything about integrative nutrition now, it is huge. It is the largest nutrition school on the planet. Back then, not so much. But I was intrigued. And she was offering free consultations to everybody who was at the workshop. And I figured, well, I'm here and I like these people and it feels kind of good and it's free. So sure, sign me up. Free consultation. Again, didn't know what I was saying yes to. The consultation was so incredible that I signed up for her six-month program. Um, During that six-month program, my goal was to be a healthy vegetarian. So I had my health coach. I had the raw food chef. Um, With my program, I got a raw food prep class every month. So I got six raw food prep classes. And this chef was also a yoga teacher. So started doing yoga. Um, went on my first retreat with her. We went on retreat to Costa Rica. It was a yoga raw food meditation cleanse. Never did anything like that in my life. Seven days so drastically changed me that when my husband picked me up at the airport, he said he didn't recognize me. I was only gone seven days. (laughs) I was so different on so many levels that I came back and I quit my corporate job. I did not know that was going to happen. I enrolled at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition because I was so hungry for this information. Didn't even dream I was going to become a health coach in private practice. It was just, give me more. Give me more. This feels so good. I need to keep doing this. And so I enrolled at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, quit my corporate job halfway through the program, and just sort of hung on for dear life. When when my program was complete, I didn't stop. I stayed connected to the school, and I started coaching through a training program. We weren't getting paid as coaches. We were in a we were accepted into a training program. Um, and we started by coaching the new students who were going through the program. Um, as the school, over the years that I hung on for dear life, practiced coaching through integrative nutrition, the school was going through its own growth and transformation. Um, it became so big, so fast, that they transferred the whole program to a distance learning so they could reach this global community And those of us who were practicing coaching, we got hired. Um, At least some of us did. And I was one of them. 
So I felt so blessed. I felt like I was in just so in the right place at the right time. So I've been literally coaching for the Institute for Integrative Nutrition since I completed my program in 2006. Right out the gate, I was like, I've got all this free time. Uh, let me be of service. And and there it was. So um, while I was coaching for integrative nutrition was while I was building my private practice. And and that's that's a whole side thing. Um, but IIN is really like the solid foundation on which I built everything up until now. And and I'm I still coach for IIN. I'm coaching a group through their program right now. And it's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. No, I'm not loving hearing your story because I've never heard this before. <laughs> and I love you. Um, so I guess, yeah, so that kind of, you kind of went into my next question, which was when, what came next on this path till, well, now I want to know till now. So from that point on till now, what have you been doing on this path? Okay. So my health coach introduced me to Reiki and I did not know what Reiki was. And she would always, you know, she would always sort of offer it on as a side thing, like, oh, by the way, if you want some healing energy, let me know. And I would think, what is she talking about? I don't know what healing energy was and what Reiki was. And, and I didn't understand too, like this sort of like passive offering, like, how do you say yes? And what does it cost? And what would it look like? So I was always like not going there. And then one day she was doing a group workshop. It was Reiki level one. And, and again, I just followed the impulse. I said, okay, I'm going to show up. It was a group workshop. And so I got attuned to Reiki level one before I ever received a Reiki session. <laughs> and so for the first few years that I was attuned to Reiki level one, I, I felt weird and awkward. I, I didn't know what it was. And so I knew that we, the practice is supposed to practice it every day. I practiced Reiki on myself every day. And then I started doing the hands-on with my pets. Um, didn't tell people, hey, I'm a Reiki level one. Didn't invite people to receive Reiki because I still kind of didn't know what it was. But I noticed that my pets, my animals, really resonated with it. They would come and sit and receive. And my one particular cat who I practiced on all the time, I know cats can live a long time, but this cat lived to be 21. And I really attribute it to the everyday receive, sending her Reiki. Um, I really do think it prolonged her life at least an extra five years. So I started to build my confidence with, with Reiki through practicing on animals. And then I got a little bold and I would practice on my mom and my husband. And they're very skeptical. They don't believe anything. <laughs> and they really started to respond. My mother in particular and my husband, who doesn't believe anything, they started feeling it. And I thought, well, if these two, there's something going on here. Um, a few years went by, I really started to like using Reiki. And then I got my Reiki level two, which allowed me to send distance Reiki. So I didn't have to do the weird hands on, I could send distance Reiki. And that's when I got a little more um, bold with letting people know. So people started asking. And so there was the whole, the Reiki thing going on. So I got involved in energy healing and started to practice that. And in the beginning, I didn't charge for it because again, it seemed weird. Um, I learned later on about exchange, energy exchange, and that money is just another form of energy. And in healing, there's a giving and a receiving. So while it's wonderful to give, 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 the people who are receiving need to give a little too. So, and that wasn't, that wasn't about me. It was just a universal thing. So I got comfortable charging. Um, also what started going on, I went to an integrative nutrition conference and this was also way back in around 2007, 2008. 
I wanted to supplement the coaching with something a little more tangible than Reiki energy and something that would give people a way to feel good in the moment. Um, Because people didn't want to wait four months or six months or even two weeks to feel good. And I didn't have the time to go to massage. I was already in my 40s. I wasn't going to go back to college and learn how to be a massage therapist or get a degree in psychology. It just didn't seem realistic for me at my age. So, I mean, because really, I got out of high school at 17 and didn't go back to school. Now I'm 40. So it was like, all right, let me go for this program. I learned through an IIN grad um, about foot reflexology. And she was practicing on the people who were at the conference. And I was watching her practice. And I was just mesmerized. And again, there was this strong desire to go down that path I had never received a reflexology session. And it was like, I need to learn how to do this. So she recommended the teacher. She said, wait for his program. It comes up twice a year. It's worth it. So I did. I waited for that teacher. And when his program opened up, I signed up and I went. And I did um, basic foot reflexology in the spring. And then I went back and I did advanced in the fall. And I I did the um, 90 hours of practice, documented practice, and I took the test. It was a very hard, for me, it was a difficult test because it was about anatomy and physiology. So I really had to study (laughs) and I didn't know if I passed the test or not. And I was thrilled and relieved that I actually passed the test. So now I was a, a certified foot reflexologist and started incorporating that into my practice. So now I was not just a holistic health coach, but I was a Reiki practitioner and a foot reflexologist. So I felt like now I've got some things to offer. Um, And so I started getting different types of clients. And it, it was curious, there was not a tremendous overlap. My health coaching clients did not want reflexology. My reflexology clients did not want to be told what to eat. So I, and my Reiki people were like, I was like, you'd rather have Reiki than reflexology? Like, really? <laughs> so there was all this curious, um, non-overlapping groups of people I was working with. And, and I thought there's got to be some way to integrate this. And, and again, it was just me getting comfortable with what I was offering. So, um, and of course, then there's the essential oils, which um, I used to go see uh, a psychic, um, a spiritual advisor, energy healer. And this was um, a woman in New Jersey who was very much involved in um, essential oils and the healing of therapeutic grade essential oils. So she sort of got me hooked on that. And I became a distributor. And of course, at first, it was about the downline, and I need this source of income. And I was not making any money selling essential oils. And I, and I thought, how can I just incorporate the aromatherapy into what I'm offering? And um, I learned raindrop technique, which is an application of oils along the spine, the therapeutic great essential oils, they go into the bloodstream and the synovial fluid, and there's tremendous ability to heal there um, in a therapeutic way without using medicine. So that fascinated me. I started offering that. And um, so I felt I felt somewhat complete, but going back to the yoga, so that wonderful yoga teacher, raw food chef, who um, was so such a huge part of the beginning of my journey, you know, she was on her own journey. So at some point, she up and left the States, she ended up going to South America and um, really, really getting, you know, on her own path. And I had no yoga. (laughs) So often, I would think I should just be the yoga teacher. I had a friend who taught yoga. We partnered together. We would collaborate. We would offer different things as a collaboration. And I loved having someone to collaborate with. Um, She handled the yoga part. I handled the other part. And we had a wonderful time. And I felt like now I'm getting my yoga fix. Um, Again, people are on their journey. She up and left. And then there was no more yoga. So... 
at this point, I started experiencing my, so I've had crash and burns, like particularly my first three years out of integrative nutrition. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to be in private practice. And I also didn't realize that there was going to be a huge period of time where I had to reinvent myself. I went from being, you know, a corporate uh, sales and marketing cog in the wheel you know, here's a project, here's a deadline, get it done. Yeah, I could nail that. But now here I was completely on my own, running a business that I didn't know how to run, um, had no skills in that area whatsoever. And my business was floundering and my sense of self-worth and self-identity just crumbled. And again, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't realize that my identity had been so wrapped up in this title of sales coordinator and a direct deposited paycheck and vacation time and business cards. And when all of that was taken away, well, it wasn't taken away. I stepped away. I let that go. I I crashed and burned. So it took three years and then I picked myself up. So now here I was in my late 40s thinking, yeah, I got this going on. I had tapped into a a community of psychics and I had to step away from that too because there was a lot of um, lack of integrity going on there. And I I had to experience that firsthand to realize this is not the path I'm going down. There is nothing psychic about the work that I'm up to. And um, that psychic community was not supportive if you weren't following the instructions. So as long as you followed the guru and did what she said, you were in. And the minute you started not following, there was that push that, that, you know, we're an exclusive group and you're not fitting in. So it was like, why does this keep showing up for me, this not fitting in? Um, so I had to let that go. And I got so turned off to psychics that, you know, people would come to me and say, can you tell? Or no, I would say, no, I cannot tell. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and I had to soften with that too. And, and what I learned through that was when people want to know and they're asking someone else, the best thing I could give them is their power back. So I started coaching people around, I can't tell, but I bet you can. And let's just go in there. So the coaching became really powerful. And instead of doing like the light work, I started delving into the shadow. And for me, my life came undone. Um, I did a lot of healing my own shadow And it was really because my life fell apart. And this was, now I was in my late 40s. I was already doing the work, but now it was time to do the work on myself. And I got sick. I broke down. I became almost non-functioning. I went deep into depression. I learned lessons about betrayal. Um, At first, it showed up as betrayal from my my people and what that invited me to look at was how have I been betraying myself so deep dark healing work that went back you know went back to like the father stuff why was my father never there you know and the whole thing about 33 and why was it people's fathers die all the time why was I so fixed on that because it was part of my spiritual journey. And and so that's how many years it took for me to actually do the real work on myself, the shadow work. Um, And I didn't know where the end of the tunnel was. I didn't know if I was gonna survive this. And I didn't know if there was a coming out the other end because I couldn't see it. I just knew that I was deep in it and there was no going back. So I learned to really just be with it, be with the mess, be with the shame, be with the guilt, be with the dis-ease and make friends with it. 
because you can't heal something that you're not willing to look at. So that was profound for me. That was another deeply profound thing for me. I have to sit with my mess before I can attempt to clean it up. And it took me about, well, I would say at least two years of just not being able to function. And, and, and just to give a little side thing, I was still coaching for integrative nutrition because I could do that over the phone and through my computer. So there were a couple of years where I literally coached from bed. Um, and sometimes I go back, I think back to those people and I'm like, those poor people who had me during that time. Um, but, you know, we attract exactly who we need. And, and I'm going to trust that those people who I was coaching while I was going through that needed that part of me. Um, and then what I started doing, so then I was going to be 50. And I thought, again, now what? Um, started going to yoga. And it was different yoga. It wasn't the warm and fuzzy rainbow and unicorns yoga I was used to. This was power yoga. And you know, because you go there. Mm -hmm. Um, I showed up for a challenge. Now, I hadn't done yoga in years. And I saw a challenge on Facebook. It was called March Madness. It was 30 days of yoga. Just sign up and show up and 30 days of yoga. And I thought, I didn't think anything. It was the impulse. It was the impulse that said yes. And again, it was kind of like the bike ride. What are you nuts? Like, why, why are you saying yes to this? But there it was. I signed up literally at the last hour. Um, it, I remember it was the year that there were 29 days in February. And it was like 11 p.m. on the last day of February. And the challenge started on March 1st. And I hit that button and I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I showed up on March 1st at Five Borough Power Yoga, and, and I met my, my mentor and friend, Karen Tyrone, who also huge, huge instrumental, real person. You know, I mean, everybody's real, but this was like at home, like close enough to walk to. <laughs> it wasn't a distance learning. It was like, we're going to sweat together. We're going to cry together. We're going to yell together. <laughs> and we're going to do yoga together. Um, started showing up 15 days in and I cried. I cried at every class and we were sweating. So I felt like, okay, good. My face is wet. Nobody knows it's tears. She knew I was crying. It was okay. Um, 15 days into this challenge, something cracked, something shifted. And I started to feel good, even though it was just that one hour. And I said to myself, every day, if the only thing you do is get out of bed, put the outfit on, go take the class, come home, get back in bed, you're doing, you're doing it. And, and for a year, all I did was get out of bed and go to yoga. And then I'd come back home and I'd get back in bed. Um, eventually, what started to happen was the hour of yoga that felt good expanded. And then I felt good for two hours. And then I felt good for six hours. And then suddenly I was feeling good for a day. And then suddenly I was feeling good for more than a day. And then one day I wasn't crying. And I got out of bed for more than just yoga. But again, it took a while. It took a while. It wasn't quick. And I knew enough by that point to love myself through this journey that other people were going to judge, especially the people close to me, um, I had to be okay with it. You know, yeah, I'm not getting out of bed. Yeah, I didn't clean my house. Didn't cook the food. <laughs> had to be okay with it. I had to be okay with it, even though nobody else was okay with it. And eventually things softened. So um, the year that I turned 50... I decided I was going to do the yoga teacher training. It was the first yoga teacher training that Karen offered at Five Borough. And I said, I want to be part of this first group. I didn't know. Again, I didn't know I was going to be a yoga teacher. I just knew that this feels so good. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be trained how to share this? Um, 
the yoga teacher training was profound and healing and humbling. And I realized I teaching yoga is very different than practicing yoga. It was hard for me to teach. It was hard for me to memorize the sequence and be able to have a conversation with people while I was calling out the poses. I was so fixated on don't, don't forget the poses that I was sort of like, like a, like a robot, like calling out poses and so nervous and so tense. I couldn't do it. Um, So luckily, you know, there was that keep trying, you know, as long as you're willing to keep trying, she was willing to keep having me show up. And as long as I kept showing up, she was willing to keep that door open for me. Other people did the program and got on the schedule to teach like before me. And again, this was humbling, like, oh my gosh, I'm the old dog here, like trying to learn new tricks. That's what it literally felt like. Um, So blessed that, that Karen sort of recognized where my strengths were and she started giving me workshops. So here, step in and do this. So it got me comfortable um, being a leader in a way that was easy for me to ease into. And, um, and then she had me teach gentle slow flow because I was gentle and I was slow. <laughs> so I was teaching the power flow, but just slow. <laughs> And then I got comfortable there. And then she had me just recently, like just this year, she had me teach some power classes and I felt out of my depth, but I was like, all right, let's just keep doing it. Just keep showing up and doing it. So I still sometimes feel like a train wreck as a teacher of yoga, but I'm having fun with it. It's yoga. You know, we're not curing cancer. We're just teaching yoga. I have to keep telling myself and not to discredit yoga because it's profound, but I have to sort of bring it down a notch so that I can can handle it. Um, and that's what I get to do. So that's sort of what I've been up to since then. It's like all of those added things was built upon that foundation that I got from integrative nutrition and, you know, being of service and wanting to be a healer. Um, so the, it was almost like the calling, the path carried me along. It wasn't my intellect or a decision that led me here. It was more of an impulse and an unfolding and in an allowing it to happen and a being okay with being uncomfortable and, and being messy. You know, that's beautiful. I love it. I love all that you do. And it's like, and it is like a magical experience looking back. This little magical journey that you just took you and kept growing. So, um, no, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. So what is your mission, your goal right now? My mission and my goal um, is to, is to, well, in myself to cultivate a sense of peace and integrity and authenticity and to to use that as sort of a beacon. Um, I, I like to equate it to a lighthouse. You know, I wanna I wanna be that 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 pillar that other people can come to and you know along their healing journey and I want to share my experiences and inspire others and um, just sort of be that, that guide, that guide for others. Um, Because the guides that showed up for me, the teachers that showed up for me at like the perfect timing and I've had coaches and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people I didn't mention who were there for me. I want to be something like that for others who are on their journey. And I never want to do like, you know, you must come to me all the time. And, you know, it's like the teacher appears when the student is ready. And, and it's not a, it's not a, a lifelong contract. It's a stepping stone. So I want to be that stepping stone and I want to be an inspiration for others to tap into their own power 
so that they can continue on their journey without feeling like, you know, they have to hold on for dear life. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a stepping stone and, and I'm just a stepping stone on their journey. So that's, that's my goal. For me, it's to cultivate the peace and integrity and authenticity and, and then to use that so that others can be inspired on their journey. No, that's so nice because sometimes you feel like someone's going to get mad at you if you don't continue. And to right. hear you say that, no, I'm here for you when you're ready and you need me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it might be now, it might be later, it might be now and then later, you know, but that you're there of service. And so thank you because that's special. I don't know if everyone's like that. Everyone should be like that, I feel. <laughs> um, any future plans for 2020? My future plans. Yeah. So let's see. Um, Future plans. So I I want to continue being of service. I want to continue the healing work. Um, Where is it leading me? Where am I going with this? Hmm. I think it's, I think for me, it's more about continuing the healing journey. I definitely want to keep teaching yoga Um, I want to build my private practice to the point where um, it's not just like uh, a supplemental income. I want to be able to um, be successful and support myself. But but more than that, I want to um, I guess I just want to be more of a teacher and um, an inspiration so my 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 goal and my future, I see it moving more into um, more of a spiritual journey than more of a of a um, grounded in in like three dimension. I don't know. It's I, I, it's hard to explain it, but my my path seems to be taking me more into the spirit realm and the energy realm. So I want to definitely learn more about energy healing, particularly I'm fascinated with the chakra system. Um, I'm I'm always picking up books and signing up for courses that are going to give me more information, um, so that I can share that aspect with others. Um, so maybe maybe more work around the energy body is is where I'm going. And I definitely want to be a teacher. So I want to teach people about Reiki. I want to, I, I can um, attune people to Reiki. And I can also teach people about um, tapping into their, their innate power, instead of relying on other people. And, and yoga definitely brings you back to your own power, because you're the one on the mat doing the work. Um, and one of the great things that, that uh, my teacher, Karen, shared with me when I first started teaching and I was all tripped up in like the, the airy fairy spirituality of it. And she was like, yoga is physical. Yoga is a physical practice. Just teach the people how to be in their physical practice. The spiritual journey is an, is a, is an option. You know, you don't need to hit people over the head with a spiritual journey. That's very personal. The yoga gives us access to that. So my goal is to be a great yoga teacher so that I can give people access to that spiritual journey and then be like, oh, by the way, while you're on that spiritual journey, I can guide you. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see it going. Okay. Beautiful. Very nice. I mean... I'm excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, what do you do daily? What do you do daily? Rituals, habits, weekly, monthly, yearly to stay in this high vibration? Mm, so um, I spend a lot of quiet time. I I'm an introvert, so I need to I need to re- I need to unplug and replenish. So I make sure that I do. Um, I'm the person who turns their phone off and other people get annoyed, (laughs) but, um, it's about self-care. I, I meditate every day. I Reiki myself every day. I, um, I have a gratitude practice that starts the moment I'm conscious. The moment I wake up in the morning, I go into my gratitude practice. So that's how I start the day with a thank you. Um, 
what else? I go to yoga as much as possible. Not every day, but at least three times a week to maintain. Um, and I also listen to my spiritual teachers as much as I can. So I do the, like the online learning. Um, I tap into resources that are going to nourish me and strengthen me on the deep soul level. Um, I also, you know, there's certain habits such as, you know, supplements and eating certain a certain way. So that happens, um, I would say every day on a regular basis. I also am fascinated and kind of a little obsessed with detoxing and cleansing. As you know, I've, I've incorporated detox cleanses into my coaching practice, which I've, I've, I've got to share with you. I've had the honor to share those with you. Um, but I put myself on detox cleanses pretty often, at least four times a year. I do a detox cleanse. And um, so that's part of my regular. And I also follow the moon cycles because it's um, it's about the dark sign and it's about the emotions. Um, way back when I met my, my two first teachers, the health coach and the raw food chef yoga teacher, those women introduced me to a 13 moon cycle because I still used to have a menstrual cycle. And and um, their feeling was, you know, sync up with the with the feminine cycles that, you know, in our patriarchal society, we don't even pay attention to. So it was way back then that I started following the moon cycles. And and so now I'm I'm I very much also am still, you know, focused on the cycles of the moon and that feminine, watery, feely, dark aspect. Um yeah. Oh, and I do silent. I go on silent retreat. I've I've done three three years in a row so far. We go on. Um, it's seven nights of silence, and um, that is the food for my soul. And and here's how much I need that. I just completed a silent retreat at the beginning of October. Registration just opened up for next year, and I'm already signed up. So that's how deeply. Um, I need to do that. So, so the things I need to do, I make sure I do, and they get in the way of other people, and I have I don't care anymore. Um, I do what I need to do, just like everybody else does what they need to do, right? These are the things I need to do, and I do them. Good. Mm. What What can you share? Advice? Recommend? Books, movies, podcasts for someone that needs help right now. Anything mm. most powerful, like the first thing that you would give, the first book you would give, okay. the first movie you should see, or the first podcast you should listen to? I'm going to say the two things that I listen to most recent, not where I started, but what I listen to now every day, and I access them through YouTube, Abraham Hicks. Abraham Hicks, The Law of Attraction, The Law of Allowing, um, it's the basis for the movie, The Secret, but so much more. I accidentally discovered Abraham Hicks during that time that I couldn't get out of bed. And part of what I used to do every day was listen. I would listen to Abraham Hicks. Um, deeply, deeply healing for me. I know it might not resonate with others, but I would say if you're searching for peace in your soul, in your mind, in your life, Abraham Hicks, for me, that was the key. Also, I, I like astrology, and I follow an astrologer also on YouTube. And the astrologer is New Paradigm Astrology. His name is Kai Pacha. was powerful, powerful on my journey to listen to. Um, it, it made me realize that we are really a small part of a huge cosmos. And, and when I listen to his weekly astrology reports and he talks about what's going on in the universe and the planets and the aspects it always feels like he's talking to me like everything that's going on in the universe explains what's going on in my life so it kind of gives me that like oh okay it's not like bad stuff is happening to me or i'm doing something wrong or it's like this is just a part of you know we're just a small part of something really big so there it puts the perspective. So most profound for me most recently. Now, of course, in the beginning, I didn't start off with that. 
in the beginning, my first, um, well, of course, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and Joshua Rosenthal in particular, and what he exposed me to were the teachings of Dr. Gabriel Cousins. Um, food, our connection to food is our connection to the divine, particularly when it's a plant-based, all-natural way of eating. You know, so packaged processed foods, void of energy. Pick an apple, pull a carrot, there's divine. So the connection to the divine through the food, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, profound teachings. I also um, follow David Wolf. Um, David Wolf, brilliant man, talks a lot about food, but also a lot about what we're influenced by and how to filter out the influences that we don't want gunking us up. Um, also, the, the teachers, Carolyn Mace, Brene Brown, Pema Chodron. These are, these are some of my favorite, favorite. oh, Marian Williamson. Um, favorite teachers to listen to, but I listen to Abraham Hicks almost every day. Um, books, uh, I've got piles of books that I haven't even read yet. So, um, you know, I collect books like- Just one, like just tell me one. One book, one book. Oh gosh. One book. What was the most profound? All right. Here's a profound book. I'm going to give you two. Um, the first one, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And this just popped into my head just now. It's a small book and it's about a seagull. Okay. When I first heard the title, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, I just assumed it was about a man and that was his name. The book is about a seagull who doesn't fit in. And I related so much to this book and it just allowed me to relax with being different. So I'm going to say, read that book. It's a quick, easy read and it's deeply profound. Another book, The Alchemist. Um, There's The Four Agreements. Um, Dr. Gabriel Cousins' book, um, Spiritual Nutrition and the Rainbow Diet. Um, Gary Null. Gary Null was one of the first people I ever read about nutrition. So I have like, I don't even remember what the book's called. It's like an encyclopedia of everything you need to know about eating food. Um, Those off the top of my head. But if somebody's looking for a quick read, go for Jonathan Livingston Siegel. It's just such a sweet story. And if you feel like you're the outcast in your group, you're going to love it. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, Now we're getting close to the end. I did want to ask three more things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We get it in the next uh, two minutes. But one quickly, very quickly, because I want people to know also how to get in touch with you. But quickly, what is your belief as far as religious beliefs? Do you have a specific religious belief really quickly? And then I do want you to say how, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how they can get in touch with you. And the last thing I want to say, if there's anything you, what else, anything that you would like to say that maybe I didn't cover. But again, we only have like a minute and a half. (laughs) Okay. So my belief condensed, the answer to how is yes. Period. The answer to how is yes. Your thoughts create your reality. Um, I don't go for religious beliefs. It's more of a universal spirituality. Um, So I would say that's it. The answer to how is yes. Okay. Thoughts create reality. Um, What do I know? Um, I see your question here. What do I know for sure? I am safe in the universe and all life loves and supports me. Please take that. Put yourself in the I am. Um, And how can somebody get in touch with me? Uh, Please go to my website wholehealthandwellness.com it's a big long word whole health and wellness and i and i don't pick up the phone so i have an online scheduler where you can book a session with me wholehealthandwellness.genbook.com and the and the link is also on my website so if you do want to talk book the free consult and 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 then i will pick up the phone <laughs> 
<laughs> or we'll do a Zoom thing, um, or we'll meet in person at my healing space on Staten Island. Um, but initial consultation is free. Book the session, we'll meet, we'll talk, we'll find out what you need, what you want, and I'll share with you how I can help. Great. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me today. You are amazing. You inspire me. I love you. And Thank this- you, Lana. <laughs> <laughs> and this concludes our podcast. Have a um, great and amazing day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>